0: Amen. All right. Well, hey, how many guys realize that the older you get, watch this, that the more confusing technology can get at, at sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Right? I mean, just thought, how many of you guys remember what a VCR is? <laughs> remember growing up, we were the cool ones because mom and dad couldn't figure out what the, how, what the VCR? Pfft. That's nothing. Try programming an iPhone. Right now we're the ones going. What do you do with this? But the older you get, the more confusing technology can get, and only the kids or the grandkids seem to, to to get it going or working or whatever. Okay, but that's right in our consumeristic economic society today. Not to miss out on a potential customer, these people who keep coming up with these new gadgets, uh, they're, they're trying to accommodate uh, these uh, technologically challenged people. Okay. Uh, To meet their needs too and uh, in fact Amazon you guys familiar with the Amazon echo thing whatever Alexa whatever They've actually come out with a new one for the technologically challenged people watch this
1: specifically to be used by the greatest generation It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa so they can find out the weather
2: Allegra what is the weather outside it is 74 degrees and sunny Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny.
1: I don't know about that. <laughs> the latest in sports.
2: Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Page died in 1982. <laughs> how many did he get? Satchel Page is dead. In what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Page.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Even local news and pop culture. Manita, what them boys up to across the street?
2: They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing.
1: I don't know about that. (laughs) Pair it to smart devices like your thermostat.
2: Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alessandra?
1: It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things.
2: Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand
1: And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories So
2: then I gave him five dollars And he said I only gave him one dollar Uh-huh I said I know I gave you a five Uh-huh Because I only had a five and a one on me Uh-huh
0: And this is uh-huh. one dollar right here Uh-huh
3: So I mean you tell me who's crazy
0: <laughs> Don't want to miss a sale they think of everything I tell you what Oh, (laughs) Oh, wow. Who's crazy is right. i tell you what. But uh, but seriously, folks, believe it or not, did you know, unfortunately, as creative as these guys get with their technology so they don't miss a sale, uh, did you know that there's coming a day to the planet when no technology, no device is going to fix it? Mm -hmm. And you know what that day is? It's called the rapture of the church okay and the bible is very clear folks for those who refuse to receive jesus christ their lord and savior today they are going to be left behind and they will be thrust into the seven-year tribulation the worst time in the history of mankind there is no technology there's no means i don't care how creative you get you're not going to fix it it's too late you waited too long you're left behind Okay. Uh, you wish it was just a lexicon freaky or bad or whatever. Okay. And so, in order to help these people, uh, and us too, even as Christians, we're not worried about going to the seven year tribulation, but we need to finish strong. Amen. So, in order to help us to make sure that, uh, these people, uh, avoid this non fixable, horrible situation of being left behind, we're going to continue our study. Are you ready for the rapture? And again, that's about as blunt as you can get, right? And this is where I call a study where basically the rubber meets the road, right? You can get all kinds of things wrong in life, okay? You can not know how to operate your Alexa or program your DVR or TV or your iPhone, whatever. But whatever you do, don't get eternity wrong, right? Don't get it wrong with Jesus. Don't miss the rapture. Don't be left behind. This is not a game. Now, last time, if you were here, we saw, as we began our journey and our new study, we saw three things about the rapture uh, to help people get ready for it, okay? We saw first of all, the basis of the rapture. It's in the Bible. We're not making it up. It's not some convenient escapism theory as some would uh, charge you and I. Number two, we saw the importance of the rapture. Hello, especially for the lost, right? You're left behind. You're going to what? Not only seven years of hell on earth, but even if you were to somehow survive all that, you're still going to hell, right? If you don't receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that's very important. Then we saw the purpose of the rapture. We saw it was to comfort the living about the dead. In other words, our loved ones in Christ, Christians who've already died, right? They get to be with us in the rapture. We'll see them again. We don't need to worry about that. Number two, to comfort you and I about the day of the Lord, i.e. the seven-year tribulation, we are not going to be one nanosecond in that as the church. Why? Because we are saved from, we are rescued from, we are not appointed unto God's wrath. The Bible's very clear about that, so be encouraged. We're not going to be worried about being left behind as a Christian. And then finally, to remind us who are still living about our current life here on earth. Why does God still have us here in the meantime? Why has the rapture not happened? We're waiting for what? The fullness of the Gentiles, waiting for that last person that only God knows about to get saved. And then bang, we're out of here, which means what? We need to get busy sharing the gospel. And we saw, we need to back it up with what? We just say, here, it's what you do. And we don't let, no, we with holy lives. Why? Because why are people in danger of being left behind? Why are they in danger of going to hell? Because of Sin, But if we, even as Christians, don't take sin seriously, then why would they take it seriously, right? That's why the scripture says, as we await the fullness of the Gentiles, waiting for the rapture to occur, we need to not just share the gospel, we need to back it up with a message, sin is serious. And then we tell them the good news, there's the way out. There's the way to be forgiven. Okay? But that's what we saw uh, last time as well. Now, that's where we left off. The fourth purpose we're going to take a look at is to read, why do we have the rapture? Why does Paul talk about the rapture? Why does Jesus talk about the rapture? Why does the scripture say about this event for 2,000 years is to remind the living about their coming reward, right? So let's recap what we've seen so far on this study on the rapture. We know the rapture is real, right? We're not making it up it's in the Bible. Number two, we know it's important, right? Very important. And we also know the purpose. But the next question to me is, all right, well what happens after the rapture? Does the Bible tell us? Uh is it gonna be cool? Or we're we just gonna disappear? Do we just float into limbo? Uh is this something to look forward to? Yeah. It is, I'm telling you, mind blowing. Right, I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but sometimes you go to uh, church services. You go to church services, and it looks like those so-called Christians there looks like their diet consists of sour lemons, pickles, and prunes. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, and then they sing that song, right? I got the joy, 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 joy in my heart. And then you wonder why it's the next line. Where? Because I ain't seen it in you. Look. At... But it's, like, it's like, everybody's like, why are Christians so apathetic? Why aren't you? So? Preach the rapture, man. That's the missing antidote. This is what people admit. Why are they so apathetic? Why are Christians so world? Because they're not being reminded about their future. And when you preach the scripture, all of it, like you're supposed to, man, I don't care how bad of a day it is. It isn't just escaping hell. It's what Christ has won for us. And it kicks in at the rapture, right? So let's take a look at the reward we're going to get when the rapture happens, okay? And the first one, of course, is we're going to heaven. Now, again, I don't know about you guys, as cool as that eclectic aisle in Walmart labeled number 13 is, and they've got lower prices every day, believe it or not, heaven is better, okay? In case you're wondering, okay? Uh, In fact, uh, this is where we are going the moment Jesus comes back to get us. Now, I didn't say he did. Remember last week we saw another rapture passage, John 14. Jesus said what? He will, quote, take us to be where he is. Where is Jesus right now? He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. So after the rapture, where do we go? We go to heaven. And folks, heaven is one place you do not want to miss. And if you know you're going there as a Christian at the rapture, woohoo, it makes everything down here pale in comparison. It's amazing, right? So let's take a look at just a teaser of what the scripture says about this place. We're going immediately after the rapture. Is it reward time? Absolutely. Revelation 21, verse 1 through 4. We're going to talk about the new heavens and the new earth as we stand and read God's holy word. But Revelation 21, if you find the dictionary, what do you do? Hang it left, right? Right? And uh, the second to the last uh, chapter in the Bible, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. And let's take a look. What is this place going to be like? When we get rapture, bang, at the twinkling of an eye, what's next? Here it is, right? Uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And, and what was it like? What's, what's heaven like? It's prepared, as listen, a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen, he, God, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Why? Because the old order of things, i.e. this life, earth, right now, all the junk we experience, why? The old order of things is what? Passed away. It ain't coming back. You'll never experience it again. That's what happens, folks. That's what it's going to be like. You may be seated if you can. But the Bible's very clear, folks. This heavenly existence, it says there right there, it isn't just that God prepared it for himself. What does he liken it unto? The first thing he says there, it's likened unto a bride's dress. Now, we all know, ladies, that when it was time for you to get married, you had to go out and get a dress, right? And so you were obviously, it's like, nah, who cares, whatever. Just... And what you did is you went and you just got some uh, sacks from Walmart, right? And you just stitched them together and just whipped up anything just to get the job done, right? Are you kidding me? How much cash did you spend on that baby? You took out a loan. You sold 14 cars to pay for that thing, right? And, or you got a loan from your dad. Your dad's crying tears. He thought he was happy. No, he's crying because he's had to pay for that thing, right? And it's, it's all decked out. He's got these jewels. Just... That's what heaven's like. Except God's making the dress. I mean, this is your first clue that this thing is over the top. When we go to heaven, it isn't just some place we go. It is absolutely amazing. This is our first reward after the rapture. And then add on more stuff that's going on there. He says that there's going to be a time. There's no more death. How many of you guys are glad that you're not going to die <laughs> again? right? If you, but we skip that if we are part of the rapture. But no more of that baloney, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. In fact, the Bible, if you keep reading it, which I highly recommend, by the way, okay, you're going to see all kinds of cool, this is just one passage about what is heaven like, okay? But you take a look at it, this place is going to blow us away. And again, this is our first reward, the nanosecond after the rapture, bang, we're in this place right? Here's what it says there. It's the dwelling place of God, Psalm chapter 2. It's the dwelling place of angels, Matthew chapter 18. It's a heavenly country, not a messed up country like we got now. It's a heavenly country, Hebrews chapter 11. It's a holy place. There's no sin, man. This is going to be awesome. Isaiah 57, an eternal paradise. First uh, Corinthians 12, the place where the streets are made of gold. Everybody's busting their back. Uh, they got reality shows. They're digging in the ground, gold fever, gold this, gold this. Everybody's busting. We get to a walk on gold man that's how this place is decked out not just a, a bride's dress but all that stuff that people are going nuts for is our pavement think of that right and it isn't just that then the, the the gates are made with pearls the the foundations are precious gems right all the jewelry and all that stuff it's just the foundations for the building structure right it's amazing what god has created it's a place of eternal rest how many guys have ever actually had some rest one time probably back in 1979 remember that day wasn't it awesome Well, guess what? Eternal rest. It doesn't stop once it starts forever. And then it's not just rest. It's what? Eternal joy. Remember that day when you finally listened to Pastor Billy and you committed, I will never eat chicken again. And remember how you were filled with such joy? You just couldn't contain yourself. Listen, that could happen forever. Yeah. Yeah work with me, right? Eternal joy, right? It just doesn't ever stop. Revelation 7, a place without wickedness. All this baloney that we're dealing with now, it's gone at the rapture. No more wickedness. All this stuff, you just turn on the news, you want to see some wickedness, man. It's everywhere. Gone. It's a place without darkness. It's a place without Sin. You won't sin. The people around you won't sin. It will never. It's perfect. All. The, oh wow! After the rapture, a place without tears. Revelation twenty-one. A place without mourning. Revelation twenty-one. A place without pain. Now, some of you young whippersnappers ain't appreciating that right now, but you will if you live long enough. Right? Without pain. Right? It's a place without death. Uh, a place with absolute purity. It's a place filled with the glory of God. Revelation twenty-one. It's an everlasting place. Second Corinthians five. You get there, you can't get kicked out. Amen. It's an everlasting place, right? And again, that's just a little teaser of what this place at heaven is, is about. And again, it begins what? It's our first reward after the rapture. Okay? But there's even more. Okay? The Bible says that, listen, when we get rapture, we don't just get a new place to go to. We get new bodies. And as soon as that happens, you'll never, ever have to live like this couple ever again. Watch this. One day there was this 85-year-old couple, right? They'd been married for almost 60 years. But suddenly they died in a car crash, right? And so they're Christians, so, so you know, uh, they go to heaven. But, you know, they, they had been, you know, prior to that in good health for probably at least 10 years, Right. Uh, due mainly to their interest in health food and exercise and all that kind of stuff, right? So, so they died, and they reached the pearly gates there. And, and, of course, Peter's always there. So he takes them to their mansion, and it's decked out with this beautiful kitchen and master bath suite and jacuzzi. And, right? and so John, they're going, Ooh, ah whoa. And so the old guy, he asked Peter, he says, well, h- how much is all this going to cost? And Peter says, well, it's heaven. It's It's free. So next they go out to the back to survey the championship golf course that the home was backed up to. And they they learned they were gonna have golfing privileges every day of the week. Uh, uh, And and, and each day of the week, the course changes to some uh, great golf course back on earth. And so the old man, he goes up, to Peter says, well, uh, how much are the green fees? And and Peter says, "Uh, this is heaven. You play for free. Well, next they go out to the clubhouse and they see this lavish buffet there with all the cuisines around the whole world. It's laid out before him. The old man goes, uh, How much does it cost to eat? (laughs) Peter's getting a little exasperated at this point. He says, "Uh, uh, Hello, don't you get it? This is heaven. It's free. And so the old man, one more time, he asks a little timidly. He says, Well, where's all the low-fat tables and the low-cholesterol tables and stuff? And Peter says, Hello, that's the best part, man. You can eat as much as you like, whatever you like. You never get fat and you never get sick. Hello, this is heaven. Well, at that, the old man, he goes nuts, man. He throws down his hat. He's stomping on it. He's shrieking wildly. And Peter and his wife are trying to calm him down, asking, What in the world's wrong? And, and the old man, he looks at his wife and he says, Man, this is all your fault. If it weren't for you stupid prunes and bran muffins, I could have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? We know we're going to heaven, but we actually try our best to delay it. Uh, I, I, we don't, folks. When we go to heaven, it's not just heaven; it's the new bodies. We're not going to have to worry about that. Oh, low at the diet. Anybody glad you'll never be on a diet for the rest of your existence for all eternity? <laughs> You don't have to worry about this. You won't have to pop pills. You won't have to take this. You won't have to be on that exercise bike. You won't have to do this. None of that stuff. It's all going on. And, and we're just extrapolating what the scripture says, okay? And, and, and you think, oh, really? We really get these incredible? Yes, right? This is what the other rapture passage we saw last week was in 1 Corinthians, right? The great resurrection chapter dealing with the rapture. What happens when we get rapture, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 50-52, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable. Inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. mystery on the rapture. What happened? We will not all sleep, but we will all be what? Changed in the flash, man. The twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So the first reward at the rapture is, yes, we're going to heaven. Yes, it's going to have those conditions. But guess what? We get a brand new, awesome, perfect body that is imperishable at the same time. In the twinkling of an eye, right? And think of what that means. Let's break it down. That means this body will never die. It won't rot. It won't decay. It won't break down. It won't even age. Which means, now, roll with that. That means no more backaches, no more broken bones, no more disease. Ladies, no more anti-aging creams. (laughs) Like this lady found out. Watch this. One day there's this four-year-old little girl, and she walks into the bathroom while her mother's putting on all the makeup and stuff. And the little girl says... I'm going to look just like you, mommy. How do you like that? I've been working that all week. I'm going to look just like you, mommy, right? And the mother says, well, yeah, maybe when you grow up. And the little girl says, oh, no, mommy, tomorrow, because I just put on that oil of old lady that you use. (laughs) Kids, oil of old lady, old lady. All right, but seriously, no more of that stuff, right? Just talk about saving some cash. You're not going to need any of that stuff. Why? Because our bodies will cease to wear down. And this happens the instant that the rapture takes place. Why wouldn't you want to hear about this, right? Which means our body, there's not going to be any more wrinkles, no more crinkles, no more age spots, none of that stuff. Makeup companies, you're out of existence. No more facelifts, tummy tucks, liposuction. It's gone. Why? Because our bodies will be imperishable and they will be perfect. And you'll never have this kind of conversation with your friends ever again. This is freaky. One day, this group of Florida senior citizens, right? They're sitting around. They're all talking about their ailments because that's apparently what you do. And this one, this one person says, man, my arms are so weak. I can hardly hold this cup of coffee. And the other one says, yeah, I know. My, my, my cataracts are so bad. I, I can hardly even see my coffee. And then the person with the loudest voice in the group says, oh, yeah, well, Scott, I can't hear nothing anymore. Right. And then the fourth person says, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. I can't I can't turn my head because of arthritis in my neck. And another one says, well, that's nothing. Man, I, I, my blood pressure pills makes me dizzy all the time. And another one says, oh, yeah, you think that's bad? Uh, he says, man, I can't even remember what I'm doing half the time. If I don't make myself a note, I forget what I'm trying to do in the first place. And then the old wise man in the group, he pipes up and says, well, I guess that's the price we pay for getting old. And then there was a short moment of silence, and one woman cheerfully said, well, it's not all that bad. Thank goodness we can all still drive. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, get off the road. Get off the road. I don't know if you've ever driven in Florida. Get off the road. Okay. But listen, you're not going to have to deal with that anymore. Why? Because heaven, our bodies are going to be imperishable. Which means, listen, that means no more will you wake up and go to the breakfast table and you hear snap, crackle, and pop and discover you ain't eating cereal. That's you making that noise, right? Okay. Uh, No more will you sit in a rocking chair and you can't even get it going, John. No more will you sink your teeth into a steak and they stay there. No more will you... No more will you go to bed realizing that you and your teeth, they don't even sleep together anymore, right? Uh, They're not just stuck in the steak, they're stuck in a jar, right? Hey, no more will you wake up looking like your driver's license pitcher. No more will your knees buckle, but your belt won't. And no more, listen, will you have more hairs on your ears than what's on your head, right? And no more when people call you up at 9 p.m. saying, I'm sorry to wake you up, right? Uh, and, and no more when you listen, look for your glasses for a half an hour before you realize what? They've been on your head the whole time. You're not going to need glasses. You're not going to have memory problems. Why? Because our bodies at the instant of the rapture, we're not just going to heaven beyond a wildest dreams. It's perfect. It's imperishable. Everything's right the way it's supposed to be. But heaven is so cool, guys. I, I, I call, this is like where I say, God, he's, he's just like the perfect gentleman, isn't he? Remember, we're the bride of Christ, and so he's got some surprises in store. The scriptures we saw tells us a lot about heaven, and it's way plenty for us to get excited about. Amen? And again, when does that happen? Bang! At the rapture. It's our first reward. This, but, but the scripture says God hasn't told us everything. In fact, he says, you just wait till you get there. I'm going to blow your mind. Right? No, I didn't say that he did. Watch this. I love this passage of scripture. First Corinthians chapter two verse nine. This is what the scriptures mean when they say this. Watch this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Listen, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I mean you got eyes, but wait till you see what he really has done. I mean, you, you can hear from the word what he's describing. But man, wait till you get there in the sounds of heaven. and what he, you, you, Yeah, we can extrapolate a lot, and, but man, you can't even conceive how cool it's going to be. But I'm a guy. I can't settle with that. And so, <laughs> <laughs> let's again, we're extrapolating based on the scripture of how cool it's going to be. Let's stop and enjoy this reward. The first word, this is just reward one. But let's take a look at heaven from a scientific point of view if God were to just take, and we know we're going to get rid of the sin nature, which is limiting us. But imagine that limitation being gone. What would it be with a body like that in a place like that? Well, this guy describes that. Watch this.
3: This is the electromagnetic spectrum. This contains all the different wavelengths, radio waves, microwaves, including a small piece called light. Now your eyeball can see the colors, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. That's all. The spectrum goes forever in both directions beyond that. Suppose we get to heaven and God gives us new eyes that can see the entire spectrum. That means there will be brand new colors. Trillions of them. Not new shades of these colors. Brand new colors. That's why heaven has to be so large. It's for the women's closets. My wife is going to say, honey, does this go with this? I'll say, dear, I couldn't figure it out back on earth. She has to number my ties to go with my suits. It's not that I'm colorblind. It's that I don't know what goes with what. Secondly, I don't care. I just want to get dressed. Lay it out, would you? Anybody else feel that way about it? Say, <laughs> Don't tell me about it. Just put it together for me, please. Can you imagine if we get new eyes that can see the whole spectrum, you're going to be able to see the sounds coming off the piano. Right now we can only hear them. Imagine seeing the sounds. What if we get new ears that can hear the whole spectrum? You're going to be able to hear the colors. Wow. Or smell them. Yellow. Or taste them. Ah, Green. Wow. We've only got five senses, folks. Maybe there's more. But if God just took these five and expanded them to the max, we would spend forever walking around heaven going, wow, wow. Have you smelled that? Come here, lick that. Wow. <laughs>
0: Isn't that wild? And what's the scripture say? I'm not making this up. Know what? I have seen, no ear has heard. You can't even imagine what this what? First reward is going to be like when I come back and get my bride. Why wouldn't people want to hear about this? And can I tell you something? Why, as you as a so-called shepherd, would you keep this from your congregation? No wonder people are down in the dumps and apathetic and depressed. Give me a break. You need to get back to teaching all the scripture, including the truth about the rapture and the reward that we're going to get. But that's just reward number one. The second one is we're going to the millennium, right? How many of you guys are glad when you get to heaven, you don't just float around in the cloud and... With me and John and those harps. That's all you do. And it's just forever. That's, oh, yeah. (laughs) No, it's way better than that. As we just saw, we described it. It's going to be way better than that. But listen, we often, Christians, we're not only ill-equipped when it comes to heaven. Unfortunately, it's crazy. Jesus didn't save us just from hell. He saved us for what we're talking about. That's what I call the inheritance, the fullness of salvation the scripture talks about. But listen, we, we come back. You realize we come back to the planet. We're not going to be up there forever. We're up in heaven during the seven-year tribulation, but we're coming back with Jesus at Revelation 19. Why? To set up what's called the millennial kingdom. And one of the great reasons why it's such an awesome time, okay, is because the scripture is clear, is Satan is literally going to be bound during that whole time, the whole thousand years right? And this is what we see here in Revelation twenty one through four. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand, a great chain. And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan and bound him for how long? A thousand years. I'm going to kick it again. Every time I get to the scripture, how many angels did it take to bind Satan? Holy angels from God. One. Satan is powerful. You don't want to go out there and, and purposely mess with him, whatever. But guess what? He ain't as powerful as he pitches, is he? Didn't take a thousand angels to tackle him to the ground. One. Right? But then he says this. And he threw him into the abyss and locked him and sealed it over him to keep him from what? Deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. So, this time on the earth that we're coming back with Jesus, Revelation 19, after we've been in heaven, clum, clum, doing all of that fun stuff, right? Uh, we get what? One, let's, think, let's, start, let's, start, let's break this down. What's it going to be like in the middle of the kingdom? Well, right here it says, listen, that Satan is going to be bound, which means what? We are not going to have to mess with anymore our greatest arch enemy. That's it. He's bound the whole time. He can't incite evil, all the suffering, all the rottenness, all the wickedness like he does today. That's incredible. But that's the tip of the iceberg. That's just the beginning of the millennial kingdom. For some reason, we just don't understand what this time frame is going to be like. Okay, let's take a look at a couple more characteristics the Bible talks about that thousand-year reign with Christ. The government, first of all, will be a theocracy, theos, God, God, Jesus Christ will be ruling and reigning on the planet, Okay, the king in Jerusalem, literally the king of the world. The 12 disciples, the Bible says, will rule over the 12 tribes of Israel. There's going to be other, listen, smaller subdivisions of authority awarded for faithfulness. That's you and I, right? Living for Jesus, serving him right? We got the privilege to not just come back with him, but to rule and reign with him as the church. Judges will be raised up, the Bible says, in the millennial Kingdom and demonstrate the theocratic power of Christ. Listen, to rule with inflexible righteousness and justice. We'll get to that in just a second. War will be a relic of the past. There will not be war on the planet during that time. Jerusalem right now, known for bloodshed and international tensions, will become listen, not just a city of peace, but the capital of the world. There will be religious peace with Jews Jews and Gentiles worshiping the Lord together, true unity, true peace on the planet. There'll be a just economy for everybody. No longer will be monopolized by just the Bill Gates and the George Sorrels and the Zuckerbergs and the Bezos and all stuff. It's going to be uh, way different. And nature will cooperate with man again. Even I will be able to grow a garden. In other words, it's going to be productive because Jesus is going to renovate the planet, especially after it's thrashed with seven years of God's wrath in the seven-year tribulation, he's going to renovate it to Garden of Eden-like conditions, right? It's, and, and which means no more earthquakes during that time, no more t- tornadoes and floods. We're not, there there's not going to be a FEMA, right? You don't need none of that stuff. Right, And then our work will no longer be in vain. We'll, and, and, and work will continue, the Bible says, in the millennium. Because God's designed it for a source of provision. Again, you don't go from heaven going bloom, bloom, down to earth going. right. You're going to be working. You've got just stuff to do. Right, But <laughs> in the millennium, our work will yield multiple gains. Listen, much more than, there's abundance. Much more than you need. Which means we will have enough resources for nice vacations, leisure, and fun on a planet that's beyond your wildest dreams. And Satan's bound the whole time. That's still the tip of the iceberg of the millennial kingdom, right? It gets even better. Let's break down just a couple things that we saw there in that list in the millennial kingdom. The first one it says there is it's going to be a time when the whole planet is going to be governed by a, quote, righteous government. Now, you're right. That's, you're going to like, wait a second. Righteous government? That's an oxymoron, <laughs> right? That's like icy hot, peaceful war, yummy chicken. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 there ain't no such thing, right? That's the Nazi mark. But people, the Bible is clear when Jesus comes back at his second coming with us, after we've been in heaven, the first reward. The second reward is we come back with him for the millennial kingdom, and he's going to rule and reign over the whole planet, right? In fact, this is a promise from Isaiah, right? Isaiah 9, he's talking about the millennial kingdom. Not just a good Christmas message. It's the millennial kingdom, right? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son, Jesus, is given. And what? And the government will be on his shoulders. And listen, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He's talking about the Millennial Kingdom, right? When the government is going to be on the back of Jesus' soldiers. Think about that. And this is why, because when we think of Jesus, we tend to think of him as the, the Lamb uh, who was slain, and rightly so. Then we think of him as the lion of the tribe of Judah who comes back in the battle of Armageddon and defeats all the foes. And, and that's true. But listen, the Bible, Isaiah says when he comes back and he sets at the millennial kingdom, he's gonna reign. And Jesus, what he's saying is, he will be the divine political ruler. Yeah, praise God, all one of you are excited. Right? Now, and I, I think our hesitation. With looking at Jesus, we get yeah, he's the lamb that was slain. That's good. The lion of Judah, but divine political. Because the government gets a bad rap, and so to think of Jesus being in charge of government, you know, it just it just it's kind of foreign for us. But that's what the Bible teaches, right? And I understand that. You know, the government is bad and whatever. And it's, how many times have I said this one? Politics comes from two words: "poly" meaning many, and "ticks" blood sucking creatures, right? <laughs> and so. I, I get it. Government's bad rap, you know. It's G, you know, but seriously, it gets a bad rap because frankly, it's messed up. And so to see Jesus is involved in the government, in charge of the government, is kind of a foreign thing. But that's what Isaiah says. This is good news, and it isn't just good news that he's in charge. He tells you what kind of government going to be. And the first one he says there, it's going to be wonderful. It's the Hebrew word Pele, and it means, listen, wonderful, astonishing, extraordinary, literally a marvel. And so the Bible says in Isaiah, when Jesus is in charge of the government, listen, it's going to be the most wonderful, astounding, extraordinary, marvelous government you could ever imagine. Why? Because he's in charge, and he's not just wonderful, but he gives wonderful counsel. And since Jesus is not like politicians today who lies, Jesus only tells the truth. He only does that which is right. That's what's going to be across the whole planet. Which means never more are you going to hear statements from the government like this. Remember Nixon? I am not a crook. You liar. (laughs) Remember Bush Sr.? Read my lips. No new taxes. You liar. Remember Clinton? I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Liar? Yeah. Remember when the economy was totally in a tank? Obama came out and said, Oh, the fundamentals of the economy are strong. Liar? Liar. Yeah, big time. In fact, no more will you see Joe Biden waving thanks to these people. All right. In fact, no more will you see Hillary Clinton driving these trucks during election time. Yeah, I'm serious. In fact, no more, I kid you not, will you hear Bob Hope say statements like this. This is wild. He's like a prophet of God or something. What's about home? <laughs> uh, but don't disappoint, It doesn't matter, Democrats, Republicans, because we learned through the election, boy, the Republicans are just as me- messed up, okay? But what to say, when Jesus comes back and we're back with him, you'll never have to deal with any of that baloney again. None of it. He will be ruling and reigning the planet. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He gives wise, wonderful counsel, which means nobody can bribe him. You can't lobby against him. You can't make him do anything wrong. He only does that which is right every single time, what's best for the people 100% of the time. Every single time, all right? It's on his shoulders. There's not going to be any more elections, no more election campaigns, no more voting, no more hanging chads, no more rigged machines, no more mudslinging political acts, no more government oppression, and no more dominion voting machines. Those things are going to be gone, right? Nobody runs against Jesus. You can't run against him. There is no option. He's the only option. And all this new world order baloney we're seeing unfold, he's going to wrap that baby up and he's going to throw it in the garbage can just like that. Why? Because the government will be on his shoulders. Amen. Folks, this is just our second reward. And it kicks in after the rapture. But well, let me give you one more aspect of the millennial kingdom. This one blows me away. I can't wait for this one. I mean, what we've seen so far is enough. I mean, dude, Isaiah, he gives two more chapters later, right? We see Isaiah 9, government on Jesus' shoulders. The second one is we're going to have peace with nature. This is incredible, right? How many guys own wiener dogs? (laughs) Man, I love them critters. We've had wiener dogs. We've we've been stuck on wiener dogs, right? How'd that commercial go? I am stuck on wiener dogs because wiener dogs are stuck on me. No, it's a band-aid. But anyway, it's close enough, John. Uh, But (laughs) they get a little vicious sometimes, right? I mean, they're cool, but those little, right? Believe it or not, you won't have any concerns at my house in the millennial kingdom with my vicious wiener dogs, okay? Because the Bible says there's going to be peace with nature. Oh, this is Isaiah 11. This is the two chapters after Isaiah 9, right? Uh, still in the millennial kingdom. Here's what he says, Isaiah 11, 6-9, the wolf will live with the lamb. Stop right there. If you put a wolf and a lamb together in a cage, what do you got? Lamb chops, that's right. So for those of you who say, we're in the millennium now. Yeah, sure thing, pal. Stop eating chicken. Let's move on. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together. Listen, a little child will lead them during that time. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will what? Eat straw like an ox. Everything's going back to vegetarian like it was in the Garden of Eden before the judgment, right? The infant will play near the hole. The woo. The cobra, uh-huh, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest, right? And they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. Why? Because the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. It's going to be a global event. The Bible says the millennial kingdom on top of all we've seen is this going to be a place where, listen, all wild animals, not just my wiener dogs, all wild animals are going to be tame. One guy puts it this way. He says it's domesticated Africa, domesticated Africa okay even the leopard will be tamed like a goat and we don't have to worry about them eating us because they're going back to being vegetarians right God certainly has the power for that now for those of you we've seen this before but for those of you thinking oh come on we're really going to be able to hobnob with lions and bears and snakes and kids are going to play with them right you know I think God in his mercy he not only tells us about this where am I drawing this from right here Can we trust all of it? Absolutely. So we know it's coming, whether you believe it or not. It's coming. It's going to be awesome. But I think sometimes in his mercy, he shows us little sneak peeks of what it was supposed to be like before it got messed up, but he's going to fix it in the millennial kingdom. Watch this. This is cool.
1: It's not exactly the partner you'd expect a primate to fall for, but an unusual love story has been forced between Surya, the six-year-old orangutan, and a stray hound dog named Roscoe for these logic defying friends it's all hugs and cuddles since the day they met three years ago when surya spotted the dog from high atop an elephant while on a ride with his trainers at this south carolina animal park to me they seem like long-lost friends this other more whimsical partnership between predator and prey has been seen on youtube some five million times a cat and a bird that shouldn't get along playing hide and seek, even wrestling. Two of nature's enemies frolicking like fast friends. From the hippo and the tortoise who sidle up next to each other, so many of these relationships are hard to explain.
2: How's this for a unique animal friendship? 350 pound lion bone digger is best friends with a fearless seven year old dash hound dog named Milo. They may seem like unlikely friends, but Jericho the horse is perfectly happy to let this baboon lay on his back while they both soak up the sun. It may look like this dog's days are over, as a jaguar appears to go in for the kill. But things aren't always what they seem. In fact, this unusual pair are actually best friends. These two struck it off straight away. And now this feline-canine combo are inseparable. They don't leave each other, they feed together, sleep together, do everything together. 24 hours a day they haven't been separated at all. They are like brothers. Sean Ellis from Devon in England has integrated himself into a pack of wild wolves. The pack itself began when the wolves in particular um, were only a few days of age. I still consider myself to be part of that family.
4: Like millions of people around the world, Mark Dumas loves nothing more than to take a morning swim. But for him, there is a rather massive difference as Mark swims with a polar bear.
2: Having pet cats may sound run of the mill, but Janice Haley has taken her love of felines to the extreme. Keeping two huge tigers in her back garden. Saber, a 600 pound male white Bengal, and Janda, a 400 pound Bengal female, have lived with Janice since they were cubs. With their ability to crunch through human bone in a single bite, getting up close and personal with a 1,300 pound grizzly bear is not for the faint hearted. But for 71-year-old Doug Zeus, coming face-to-face with the fearsome predators is all in a day's work. Start
1: off. Good. That's good. Ah! Good.
4: Ooh. Ah, ah, good.
1: This pairing, researchers say, is one of the strangest animal bonds ever seen. A lioness who, instead of eating her dinner, adopts it. I think many
2: people felt that this was, you know, had to be a message from God. Um, this was a miracle. This was, you know, the lion and the lamb laying down together. This is this is a true story. It's about a lion named Christian. Okay, there were two men who adopted the lion, Ace Berg and John Rendell. And they bought the lion from Harrods department store. Who knows that they... You know who thought they so cubs and in 1969 and the little cub weighed uh, 35 pounds. A year later, the little cub had grown and he weighed 185 pounds. Mm -hmm. This is a love story, a true love story. Take
3: a look. Man and (laughs) beast.
0: It's going to be like that not isolated incidents the whole planet every animal you could possibly think of in existence today you could have as a pet a friend what's the scripture say I'm not making this up in the millennial kingdom the whole earth the wolf the lamb the leopard the goat the cat the lion the cow the bear the cobra all the nature will lie down together and little kids will be hanging out with them leading them around Isn't that amazing? That's our second reward after the rapture. Why wouldn't you want to tell people this? Why would you deliberately come up with statements like this? That's a message of doom and gloom. You won't hear that here. I'm sorry, based on what we just shared today, folks, is that doom and gloom? I'm sorry I just ruined your day. This is the most amazing, awesome future to look forward to. No wonder people are down in the dumps and distracted and worldly. Get back to teaching all the scripture including prophecy and the great reward of the rapture. But one more to go and we'll close out. The third one, and I hope this is true for your heart. It sure is for mine, especially when you know what you've been saved from. The third thing, we get to see Jesus. Oh, heaven's cool. New bodies are cool. Millennial kingdom's cool. Peace with nature's cool. But man, I don't know about you, but I'm hoping to give him a hug. I hope you're excited about seeing Jesus. And what's the truth of the rapture? Are you longing for his appearing? Don't you want to see him after all he's done for us? And he's won all this for us? In fact, when you talk about the return of Jesus Christ, you should be busting out in praise, right? You read the scripture about the second coming of Jesus. We're coming back with him. All of heaven's going nuts at the appearance of of Jesus Christ, his second coming. Watch this, Revelation 19, one through nine. After this, I heard what sounded like a roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting what? Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God for true and just are his judgments. He's condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He's avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again, they shouted, hallelujah. The smoke from her uh, goes up forever and ever. And then the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they get in on it. They fall down, they worship God who's seated on the throne and they cry out, amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like the loud peals of thundershine. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad, glad and give him glory. Why? Because the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. The angel said, Right blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. In other words, you could take to the bank, this is going to happen at the return of Jesus Christ at the second coming, right? The Bible says, I don't know about you, but when they start talking about the return of Jesus Christ, I'm kind of getting the impression, they're kind of excited. All heaven's busting loose, right? It's a big old, it's the biggest praise service you ever saw in your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God, give him glory. Why? Because why are they excited? Jesus Christ is coming back and he's gonna put an end to all the evils and the sin and the rottenness and Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet and this new world order belonging. He's coming back, and he's gonna put it to stop. It's over. and then those who belong to him we get to be a part of the greatest celebration of all time it's called the marriage supper of the lamb and when God throws a party I'm just going to quote scripture Luke 15 23 it's cow that's right (laughs) kill the fatted not chicken people calf Mm, yeah but he's coming back he's going to throw a party god knows how to party it's awesome it's the biggest party you ever saw the biggest celebration you ever saw okay and we get to be a part of it we get to be what we get to see jesus no more of this invisible stuff aren't you glad to see him finally no more and who who are we talking about here the one who saved us rescued us from the dominion of darkness he defeated death hell in the grave and he's coming back and he's going to throw us a wedding party he's awesome don't you want to see him He is the king of kings, the Lord of Lords, the master of the universe, and he's coming back. We get to see him face to face, and what a king he is. Yeah, we've seen this before, but I love how this guy puts it. What kind of a king is Jesus? He said the Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews, he's the king of Israel, he's the king of righteousness, he's the king of the ages, he's the king of heaven, he's the king of glory, he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's my king. Do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that's ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's the center savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unique, unparalleled, and unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He is the miracle of the age. He is, yes, he is the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. Do you know him? And he supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes. He saves. He strengthens. He sustains. He guards. He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged, He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. The doorway of deliverance. The pathway of peace. The roadway to righteousness. The highway to wholeness. And the gateway to glory. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. That's my king. That's my king. He's got the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you know him? Why is the rapture called the blessed hope? Because, man, to me, this is the antidote to those sour pickles, lemons, and prunes. Mm, (laughs) Have you forgotten what Jesus has won for us? The reward? It isn't just saved from hell. That should be good enough. But it's all this on top. And we get to see him face to face. It's reward time, not scary doom and gloom time. That's a life in the pit of hell. I get rewarded at the rapture with a new body. I'm going to a place beyond my wildest dreams where I might even be able to smell colors and lick them. I get rewarded with another reward on top of that. I get to go to this place called the Millennial Kingdom where I'll have awesome living surroundings, productivity. I get to serve with Jesus. He's ruling reign on the planet, a righteous government. No more Satan and wickedness and baloney and, and I have peace with nature. One prophecy teacher said, I already picked my animals. I'm going to have lions. And he's already got names for them. Leo and Cleo. And he's saying, I'll have them right there in the front porch. It's real. Right? If that's him, tell him we already talked about it. He he doesn't need to remind me. I told him I'd say that and drop a plug, but anyway. But what's the third reward? I hope this is on your heart today. You get to see Jesus. Aren't you glad? I know what I deserve. I deserve to go straight into hell. But it isn't just me, it's anyone. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You may not have done my sins, but you did your sins. Sin is the problem. Any sin, if it's not dealt with through Jesus Christ, we deserve to go to hell. But here comes Jesus in spite of us. While we were still sinners, Romans chapter 5, he came and did this anyway, not just to save us from hell, but to give us this on top as an act of his mercy. Don't you want to thank him? Don't you want to see him? That's our third reward. The scripture is very clear about that, and we should be busting about But as we close, again, I would challenge twofold. The so-called shepherds, pastors, Sunday school teachers, I don't care who you are, but you claim to be a Christian, and you're supposed to be teaching the Word of God. Why are you skipping over one-third of the Bible, which is what the prophecy makes up in the Scripture? Why have you not only skipped over it, but you've never even talked about the rapture? And then when you bring it up, and we saw, this is fantastic news. Then you actually have the audacity to say, Well, it'll bring division in the church. Do you feel divided right now? <laughs> no. I don't want to talk about the return of Jesus Christ. That'll scare people. Is this scary? No. No, this is a message of doom and gloom. I'll just say, it. Satan came up with that lie because he knows during this time that we have a great, blessed hope to look forward to and all these rewards. Of course, he would want people not to think about it, talk about it, but here's my point. If you refuse to teach all the Bibles, as a shepherd, you're supposed to teach the whole counsel of God, and if you refuse to do it, then I challenge that church, you need to kick that man out, go tell him to get a different job, change tires, pick peaches, but you have no business teaching the word of God, number one. Number two, if you're a Christian, and if you're sitting in one of these churches, and I hear testimonies about this, it seems like every single week. Well, man, Pastor Bill, that's great. We visited the church there, and you guys are awesome. You talk about prophecy, because we teach all the Bible. That's why it's called Sunrise Bible Church. What a concept. And they'll say stuff like this. We'll never get that at our church. What? Let me use a modern terminology. Right now, we're all in a wigged-out situation, and rightfully so, especially over the election cycle. Of censorship through the social media, Facebook, Twitter, right? Can't even shirt. And they, they, they don't just block you, they, they take your account away and all this stuff, which is a violation of the content. We're all in an uproar, rightly so, over censorship in the world. When you, can we just explain what's going on here? When you sit there in a church service, you are supporting people who refuse to teach on prophecy censoring the bible why aren't you talking about that that's even worse than the censorship with twitter and facebook and all those other people this is the word of god and here's my point by your attendance there giving your time treasure talents and tongue you're helping people to censor the word of god no wonder things are messed up and i like what one guy said this he says listen if you're in one of those churches your hands in the cookie jar And you're going to stand accountable to God. And if you know that you're supporting something that's a part of the problem, not the solution, then you better run. And you better run for your life. Like this guy shares. Watch this.
4: Listen to me like you've never listened to me, ever in your life. We have got to lay our lives down for the purposes of God. This is not a Sunday School 50, the Church of Jesus Christ. This is not an invitation to have continuous good times. This is a war for the souls of men. Come out from among them. Run for your life. Because this is about your life. This is not just about an opposing theology or a conflicting viewpoint on Jesus.
3: This is about your life.
4: My mind is forever branded with the story that I heard of police officers from the city of New York. As as people were fleeing from a crumbling building, there were police officers and firemen and others that were running towards the building, saying, run for your life at their own peril. And in some cases I believe they knew they were going to die, but there was a sense of duty. I was crying out to God, I said, God, oh Jesus, don't let my sense of duty be less for your kingdom than these beloved firemen and policemen were for those that are perishing in the falling tower. We're living in a generation when truth is falling into the streets. I want to be among those that are not running away. From the conflict, but running into the conflict, and say, "Run for your life!" Run from gospels that focus only on success and prosperity. Run, run from those who use the name of Christ only for personal gain. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run. Run from Gospels that only focus on self-improvement. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run, body of Christ, run! Get out! Don't touch the unclean things. Run from churches in America and Canada where there is no Bible. There's no cross in the theology. There's no soul-searching word. There's no repentance from sin. There's no mention of the blood of Jesus. Run! It's unclean. Run! Run from churches where you're comfortable in your sins. If you come into the house of God and you've got sin in your life and you're not convicted of it, you're at a table of devils. Run from pulpits that are filled with political men who are using the pulpit of God for a personal political agenda. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run! Get out! Turn it off! Get away from it! They know nothing of God. Run! Run! from ungodly, spasmodic movements and endless, empty prophesying. Beloved, search, run for your life. Run like you've never run before. Run! Run! Run!
0: We're in crunch time. We're in crunch time and we have no business sitting there week after week giving our time, treasure, talents, and tongues to churches who refuse to teach all of God's Word. This is not a game. We need to stop the support of censoring the Word of God. And we need to start Working together as the bride of Christ and start supporting the churches who teach the whole counsel of God so that people are ready. This is not a game, it's about your life, it's about their life, it's about the lost. And we're going to sit there and kick your feet back up on the edge of the chair and just listen to a PowerPoint thing about self and what? Run for your life. And if you are a part of a church that is faithful, you need to pray, get involved, get off the sidelines, and let's finish strong. Now, the big question is, we've now seen that the rapture is real. We know it's important. We know the purpose. We know the rewards we're going to get and why it's called the blessed hope. But the big question to me is, all right, when does it take place, right? Right? Well, Lord willing, for still alive, I'm still here. We'll get to that next time. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? God bless.